This episode brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. And auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. At the Turn is brought to you by Vice Golf. Vice is a German company that makes premium quality golf balls for half the premium price. The Pro and Pro Plus were awarded a gold medal on Golf Digest's annual hot list, making Vice the only small company to win the magazine's highest award. Use the promo code TURN when you check out at vicegolf.com to get free shipping. That's promo code TURN. Golf balls shouldn't cost more than the round of drinks afterwards. What's your vice? This is At The Turn. It's time for discussion and interviews about the world of golf you won't hear anywhere else. Here are your hosts, Nick Heidelberger and Joe Simons. Hello, hello, and welcome to another edition of At The Turn. I am Joe. Nick is joining us. Well, gosh, where are you now, Nick? I'm in Massachusetts now, and Mm -hmm. and hopefully this will be the last place I record At The Turn from. (laughs) Well, We've recorded from Idaho. mm Mm-hmm. You've recorded from Oregon. I've been in Hawaii. I've been in Connecticut, and now Massachusetts. So we're we're really blazing through the great United States. I, I I think the next step is to take this thing international. Let's go to Canada or Mexico or like Reykjavik, something something exotic you know, like that. When we go to Caddy on the Canadian tour, we'll record an episode from Canada. <laughs> that sounds like a plan. Wait a minute, are you still planning on doing that? I I mentally bailed on that two months ago. I'm just telling you that now. Yeah, I, I had these grand plans to drive all the way across country and like do all this, these like, you know, caddy on the Canadian tour and mm-hmm. go to Niagara Falls and go to Wrigley Field. And I don't think I'm going to do any of it. <laughs> also, it sounds like you're drinking a Sobe beverage. What are you drinking right now? It's just water. <laughs> how, how can it sound like someone's drinking Sobe, by the way? You know, I, I don't know. It sounded like you were like adjusting some sort of cap. And then I got a very vivid image of someone drinking a Sobe from like the late 90s. It, it just popped in there. <laughs> I digress. We have a really good show planned for you today. Nick does his first product review on the Square Strike Wedge. Very excited about that. We have a fun Would You Rather, the only golf lottery that matters. Nick is considering some speed golf. We talk about Dustin Johnson's place in history. But first, people in the Massachusetts area don't like rain. Nick, the floor is yours. Um. Yeah, so finally I get a chance to play some golf again. And uh, yesterday was Saturday, and it was my only chance this week to play golf. And I was talking to a buddy, and I was like, hey, man, we're going to play golf on Saturday. And he was all up for it. Then I get a text, like, middle of the week, like, hey, man, the uh, forecast not looking so good for Saturday. There's there's like a 50% chance of rain. I'm like, yeah, okay. So if it's when you can play golf, it's when you can play golf. So anyways, he ends up, you know, kind of bailing because of the rain, which, which is fine. And uh, so I go to the course, and... At this point, it was not raining, but there was rain in the forecast, and there was parking lots empty. 
and it's a nine hole course where you just play twice if you want to play 18. So I was like, I'm going to walk 18 and they go in the rain. I said, yeah, I'll, I'll play in the rain. He said, well, I don't think you're going to want to play after nine holes. So we're just going to charge you for nine. And then if you still want to play in the rain, you can come back and pay for nine more. What? Okay. <laughs> I said, I swear to God. So, so I'm like, okay, and then I'll just pay for nine. So I play my nine and it was, this the last few holes a slight drizzle had started to rain a little bit but not bad at all i wasn't really wet i go back to the clubhouse to pay for my second nine and it's locked and then nobody like they had literally she left it shut down the course there's nobody in the parking lot except for my car <laughs> just like what time of day this is this is nick insane and uh, so i went back and played my played my back nine free of charge and uh i just was in awe the entire time it never really started like fully raining until maybe my last three or four holes but nothing compared to like what you would play in on a regular basis just any time in the spring i don't know so what what time of day did this round occur was it toward the end of the day no start like i i think i got there at 9 30 um, around 11, 11, 15, I tried to make the turn. I did make the turn, but they, they were all gone by then. So they just, they just called it by noon. <laughs> this day's a washout. By, by 1030, they called it. They locked up the pro shop. And at this point, it was not even, it was a slight drizzle. I posted a little a vi a video on um, our, our Twitter account just to show, like, there's no puddles in the parking lot. Like, sure, it's damp, but it was a, a slight drizzle, no puddles. Like, my, my socks weren't even wet when I got home. <laughs> So the speculation of rain coming and then any sort of visible rain was then going to put it over the top, it sounds like, for these people to just bail on the day and say, look, no one's going to come out here. We're not going to have any more golf today. <laughs> I guess. I couldn't believe it. And and they were like, there was two guys in the pro shop when I was paying and they were just giving me like the sideways looks. And I'm like, as long as there's no lightning, I'm fine to play in the rain. And uh, I don't know. They just thought I was crazy. What kind of condition was the course in? Was it was it soggy? No, like I said, my socks weren't even wet. It was actually there was no there was no gathered water anywhere. Um, it was just what was coming down from the sky. It was a drizzle. Well, let's put something out there to our patrons in Massachusetts. Is this something that is the norm? I can't imagine that this pro shop would all of a sudden decide that on this particular day, because some rain was in the forecast, they're going to change the way they do things. This must be how it works in Massachusetts. Now, I spent the first five years of my life in Connecticut. I go back to Connecticut like every other year for a week or two. I never get the impression that it would be like that out there, where at the first sign of some sort of inclement weather, we just call off golf for the day? I find this very surprising. My folks are from Connecticut. They spent most of their lives out there. I feel like I'm going to relay this story, and they're going to be flabbergasted. I, I've never seen anything like it. And I don't know. It's the first time I've played this course, but it's going to be the, the course I play for the rest of the summer. So I'll be interested to see if it's normally just dead on the weekends and and people, if there's rain, then they're definitely not going to come. But I can't imagine that's the case. There's not a lot of courses in the area and if it's a Saturday in May and it's your only day of the week to play golf, by all means. I mean, look, I'm not going to be the guy who sits there and, and says, I play golf in any conditions. But in the winter, I've gone out when it's like 38 degrees and some snow is falling. And sure, it's miserable, but you're still getting some form of golf in. And if you've had terrible weather in the Northeast up until this point and you're finally getting a weekend where it's kind of decent, maybe some showers, but you can still get out and play some golf. I don't really understand this mindset at all. Get out there and play. 
Yeah, and it was like 55 degrees outside. Check out that little video on Twitter. It's like a 10-minute video, and I just pan around the parking lot to show there's no cars. And the course, you, know, you, you can see a little bit of the course, but uh, I don't know. I, I It felt like the Twilight Zone a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so did you have any company out there, or was it, or did you have the course to yourself? I had the whole course to myself. Literally, I was the only one out there. So I ran into a group uh, putting on the ninth hole when I was like going to my first hole, and they were – they were like, oh, we got to get the golf in before the rain comes. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, it's, it's, I guess so. It's not the scene from Caddyshack where the priest is out there and it's pouring down rain and the wind is blowing and there's thunder and lightning. I mean, I, I saw the video. It just looked like a few little sprinkles and some 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 wet pavement. Nothing really to get too excited about. Yeah, and That's that crazy. video was after I played 18 holes. So if it was rain, oh. like if it had it been raining hard, there would be some puddles in the parking lot. You know what I mean? Like, right. There was nothing. It's just, it's just damp pavement wow so what's our what's our twitter <laughs> handle isn't it at the turn pod it's at the turn pod you probably know that okay uh let's move on to a little I memory joe i know we've only been doing the podcast <laughs> for a year now but <laughs> let's uh let's move on to some professional golf dustin johnson is no longer the number one ranked player in the world he lost that ranking after the players championship i was a little surprised i know he'd been number one for a while nick but he, is, he has had the fifth longest tenure in the history of the official World Golf Rankings that started in 1986. Had it for 64 weeks, so a pretty significant chunk of time. And it got me thinking, where does Dustin Johnson start to stack up for his career? Now, he's still a youngish guy. He's, he's about our age. He's 33 years old, but he's been on tour for quite a while now. He has 17 tour wins. He has just the one major. He won the U.S. Open a couple years ago. And it got me starting to think, okay, if Dustin Johnson keeps this pace going, wins a few more majors, does he start entering the conversation as one of the top 30, 25, 20 best golfers ever? Um, I think he kind of does. I think I, I think if he's able to rip off a few more majors, maybe get into that five, six major range, get above 25 tour wins, 30 tour wins, he could start to be in that territory of getting in uh, top 20, 15 golfers of all time. I, I I don't know, Nick. Do you have the same perspective? Um, something that surprised me, 17 tour wins. I knew he'd been on a tear, um, but that's that's quite a bit because he's – if I remember correctly, he seems like a guy who for a few years was um, always in the top five but didn't get a bunch of wins, kind of like Ricky a little bit. Um so 17 is a big number. Another thing he does have is the WGC Career Grand Slam. Oh, so okay. I, I think, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, he's got quite the impressive resume. I mean, he's got the majors. He's got the WGCs. He's got the, the career victories. And I think once he gets, I don't know, like you said, over 20, 25, 30, um, yeah, that, that's definitely, I think, puts him in top 25 status maybe. Yeah, I think so because I was I was taking a look at – the amount of tour wins similar golfers have had in their careers. So, like, 17 is already more than David Duvall, who was the best golfer in the world for a stretch during the height of the Tiger Woods era. Um, other golfers, you know, like Davis Love the Third, only has, like, 22 tour wins. So, Dustin Johnson already has a lot of tour wins for the amount of time that he has amassed them in. And you're right, he did have sort of that Ricky Fowler-ish Stink is the wrong word, but it's the one I'm going to use. Stink on him, <laughs> where, look, this guy's really good. He competes but doesn't win the big tournaments all the time. I think that's probably more true of majors than it is regular tour events. If I'm not mistaken, DJ had a stretch where he went like 
eight or nine consecutive years where he won at least one tour event. So he has been very consistent over the duration of his career in the non-majors. But to your point, the WGC events, that's that next notch below the majors, more important than regular tour events. So it's not like he doesn't compete well in big events. He just really hasn't gotten the wins. And you remember a number of years ago, he had that weird penalty in the PGA Championship where he grounded his club in this sanded area where it wasn't you know, marked as a bunker. Was it a bunker? Was it not a bunker? He didn't get on a playoff uh, at that point, which could have been another major victory for him. Also, in his career, DJ has had, and this is becoming less of a problem now, fortunately, but he's always had a problem getting out of his own way, right? He's been caught for drugs three times. He had that long suspension because of it the most recent time. He has seemingly keep kept his nose clean at this point, literally and figuratively. And he's now getting to a point where hopefully he can stay consistent. He's never been someone who has been injured unless he's done it to himself, right? I mean, last year, he was the number one player in the world. He ripped off three wins in a row, and he was going into Augusta, and the conversation was not who's going to win the tournament, but how much Dustin Johnson's going to win by because he was so far ahead of everybody else at that point. Now, he has sort of played sort of inconsistently since then, but he hung on to number one in the world for a long time, and I really think that if he can keep it together for a while here, have a nice stretch of health and consistency in his 30s, he can get into that mid-20s range of maybe three or four majors. What do you think about the guy who overtook him? I mean, Justin Thomas, if you compare them, do you think DJ, when it's all said and done, is going to have a better career than Justin Thomas? Or do you think that he's going to kind of be like a, another one of these guys who rises to the top but can't stay there? I mean, he stayed there for 64 weeks, and that's impressive. That's longer than anyone's done in a, in a while. But you think about... Adam Scott and Jason Day and uh, Rory was at the top for a while, and he's still in that echelon. But some of the other guys have kind of fallen off a little bit. Um, How do you see this playing out over the next 10 years? So I see Justin Thomas as being in that Jason Day, Adam Scott range, as opposed to the Dustin Johnson, Jordan Spieth range. Uh, I think, yeah, I think they're all going to have great careers, but I don't know, man. I don't know what it is about Justin Thomas where – Despite how impressive his record is, and he's obviously the number one player in the world now, for some reason, I just don't see it over the long term. Now, you've never really seen him as a as like a <laughs> legitimate contender. No, I mean, last summer, I, I made the stupid statement of saying I don't consider him to be like one of the top 10 players in the world. And he was number 13 at that point. And since then. Uh, he must listen to the podcast. He <laughs> the only explanation. He, he got the motivation, and he ripped off a bunch of wins. He shot 59. He's won a major, and now he's number one in the world. So, look, I mean, the numbers back it up, and he's an incredible player. And it's silly to say that any of these guys is significantly better than another when they've all had so so much success at such a young age. I just think that when it's all said and done, DJ and Spieth will be on a different plane than like Jason Day and and Justin Thomas. That's just my take on it. But I was wrong, wrong last summer, so I'm probably wrong now. Yeah, I've always seen uh, Justin Thomas as a guy who's. I mean, I think he's got the staying power of Jordan Spieth. I, I, yeah, I guess, I guess my thing with Justin Thomas is, it seems like his, the strength of his game is his his power, right? So. Is Does he have a swing that, and I don't know the answer to this, I'm just kind of curious, does he have the sort of swing 
that it can be consistent over the long haul because it is so powerful. Unlike Jordan Spieth and Dustin Johnson, why I like them over the long term is because Dustin Johnson is a freakish athlete and Jordan Spieth just knows how to win. Like, I'm not saying Justin Thomas doesn't know how to win, but Jordan Spieth won the British Open and he wasn't playing very well, if we can be perfectly honest. He had like a very good five-hole stretch and he won a major. I don't know if any of these other guys can do that, and I just think DJ's ceiling, when he's at his best, I think no one can touch him. Really? Yeah. I mean, when Dustin Johnson's firing on all cylinders, he's playing a different game than anybody else. I think the best example of that is we saw last summer when Dustin Johnson and Jordan Spieth, I can't remember the tournament, but they were in a playoff, and Jordan Spieth hit a really good tee shot, and Dustin Johnson like took it over the water, hit it like 380 into like a very small stretch of fairway, chipped up and made the birdie to win the tournament. Like I, I just think he's on a different stratosphere when he's playing his best. And I know Justin Thomas can hit those shots. I just have seen it from DJ longer, which is why I believe that that from him can have more longevity. If that if that makes any sense. That does. Um, I think that he's been doing it for, and those guys have been doing it for longer on tour than Justin Thomas. I would put, I think, four guys in that in that um, category. And it's funny that you mentioned that DJ versus Spieth show off a showdown because I think when Jordan Spieth is firing on all cylinders, he's a guy who's really, really, really tough to beat. And uh, I would put Rory and Justin Thomas in in that too. I think Rory, same thing. When he's got his A game, when he's there, I think he's he's a Workhorse. Absolutely. Um, so that's enough tour talk, Nick. Let's go to the complete opposite end of the spectrum. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you told me that you wanted to start reviewing some products and you reached out to some companies, and sure enough, one of them bit. Uh, you want to take it from there? Yeah, Joe. So, um, I talked a little while back about how I wanted to do a product review segment and Square Strike Wedge wanted us to review their wedge. So that's what I've been doing over the last couple months. And let me just uh, pull up my document here. So give me a quick second. Yeah, no. So for folks, real quick, before we get to your review, for folks that are unfamiliar, can you sort of explain what the Square Strike Wedge is and what it is supposed to be? (laughs) Okay, thank you, thank you. Um, so there's, so the, the premise behind the square strike wedge is basically for the tough, tricky shots around the green, it simplifies them. It's basically kind of built like between a mix between a putter and a wedge. So you see people putting from the fringe. Um, it's kind of a wedge that's designed to make that a little bit easier, make some tricky shots a little bit easier. It's, uh, it's kind of funky looking. It's got like a, a really wide sole. Um, it's got like the, the shaft of a putter and then it's got an angled face. Uh, it, it's, it's a weird looking club. They call it a wedge. Um, so, so that's that. I'm just going to take you through the, the whole process. So I open this thing up. Um, it look, it does look kind of dorky. I, I kind of just described the, what it looks like. Um, it's got like a green, soul also so it's so it stands out you can't hide the fact that you're gaming the square strike <laughs> nothing discreet about it um what's that there's nothing discreet about it no it's not discreet at all it's got a green grip and a green soul 
Um, and it just, it just looks weird, but I will say I, uh, I played this with a couple of buddies and I didn't mention at all, like that I was doing this review and I wanted to see if they commented, like, what the hell is that thing? And I uh, didn't get any comments. Oh. And then after that, I told them, you know, what it was all about. So, but I wanted to kind of test that out the kind of, um, the reaction, what you might get from your buddies in the course with this thing. So that's important. It is. It really is. And, and I'm not going to lie. There's definitely kind of a stigma with, you know, it just seems like a crutch kind of club. So um, anyways, I got the club and I took it to the practice screen and I just did a little bit of a drill where I hit uh, some chip shots with my regular wedges and would get up and down and then do the same thing with the square strike and get up and down and track how many, basically how many strokes it took me. And uh, for getting up and down 18 times uh, with my, my wedges and with the square strike was the exact same. Uh, took me the exact same number of strokes. Oh. So there was no uh, benefit or loss, basically. It was the same. But one of the things I started to figure out is certain shots, it's definitely much it's much more it's designed for specific shots that it's better for and then there's certain shots that you would never actually want to hit on a, an actual round so like for example if you're hitting if you want if you have a tight lie on the fringe and you don't feel comfortable that you can make consistent contact with a wedge that's a shot where it might be good to hit the square strike it's super easy to hit you're not gonna um probably you're not going to blade it you're not going to hit it fat you're going to make decent contact and it's very predictable it's pretty much like a putter i mean you hit it square and it's going to go straight so you can basically uh the line is more predictable um and the, the con it's easier to make contact you do sacrifice quite a bit of feel like when you hit when you hit this thing it just kind of feels dead you don't really get like uh you don't have a lot of control with it you just kind of hit it. it's like it feels like a putter a little bit you know if you're putting off the fringe And uh, I don't know if you ever driven a manual, Joe, like a, like, a, like driving a car. I, I kind of compare it to driving an automatic compared to driving a manual. Because like if you're driving a manual, you have some control, you've got some precision, you've got some feel. In an automatic, you, you don't really have to do anything and it's easy and effortless, but you also don't have that, that control. Interesting. So a couple of things. First of all, is this thing legal? Have we have we confirmed or is it not that this is a legal club? It's legal. We, okay. we have confirmed okay. it. It's one hundred percent legal. Uh, the other thing is, does it produce spin? If you're like forty yards out and you make a square strike on it, does it does it produce more spin than you would get with your wedge, or does it have a very um, forward trajectory? Does the ball release a lot when you make contact with it from, say, a medium sized pitch shot? Yeah, I would never hit a shot from 40 yards with this club. Almost never. Um, and I'll get into this a little bit more, um, but that's a good question. Uh, it, it's not going to replace your wedges. It's it's not going to be something where you put a full swing on and, and and roll it back or anything like that. So, no, it, it just is designed to go straight. It's designed to be hit, to hit easily, which is why I say, like, those shots around the green, either really tight lies or, like, even buried lies, it's really easy to get good contact and consistent contact where you're not guessing, am I going to chunk it or am I going to blade it or am I going to hit it right? Mm. Um, so if you struggle with those things, this this could help you. But if you don't struggle with those things, then there's there's really no need uh, for this kind of club. Yeah, it kind of – if I could just summarize uh, – it. It kind of sounds like garbage. 
I don't want to throw square strike people under the un, under the bus. I'm sure their product helps some people with some shots, but it sounds like you can only use it for such a specific shot off the green. Um, who's going to benefit from this, Nick? Well, Joe, um, let me tell you who's going to benefit oh. from this. People who miss 15 greens in a round of golf <laughs> <laughs> might might have a need for a club where okay. you might hit it. So I played 18 holes yesterday with the square strike, and I probably used it four or five times, um, and I missed 16 greens. So <laughs> there's a handful of times where it's just a – that kind of shot where you're like, okay, this is easy. I could hit a wedge and it could, you know, it could be good or I could blade it. I don't feel comfortable with the lie or I know I can make good contact with this, hit to the center of the green and maybe get a close, whatever, at least I'm putting. Okay. Um, so now that you've given it a thorough once over, um, is the square strike going to make an appearance at the 2018 corner club open in a month from now? Joe, I, I think it is. <laughs> Wait a minute. What club Let are you going to? Let me gonna... tell you why. Okay, Let yes, you please, why. please. I will tell you why. So I said earlier, this does, this does not replace any wedges. Uh-huh. But in my bag, I carry four clubs out of driver, three wood, five wood, hybrid, and a four iron. And I, I really have no need for all five of those. So why... So I will, I'll replace one of those in, with this club. And if I hit it three or four times in a round, it's more often than probably that I'm hitting my four iron on my five wood. Okay. That's valid. So. But, you... it's, but a couple other things. I, <laughs> yeah, please. So please. I, I made a list of. Uh, <laughs> one thing I did. So like. Shots around the green. You would never hit this. Like you, you mentioned this earlier. You would never hit it if you need to stop the ball or if you have like a sh- like not much green to work with maybe like a 10 or 15 yard shot and then you need to stop it, it- it's not for that uh, you're not going to be able to get that control but for a for a shot you just need to get up there if you can let it run a while like any kind of bump and run shot basically um this this can be good for that and i think for people who are high handicappers it's probably easier to get that consistency with something like this rather than I mean, you've, you've seen me skull them across the green or chunk them right to the fringe from three yards off the green. Sure. So I think it just kind of eliminates that in certain shots. So if if there's a club, like I said, like a four iron, I'm not going to hit maybe more than once every round, if that. There's no reason not to replace it with, with something like this. Okay, so it basically with eliminates... With some garbage like this, as you would say. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, that's that's fair, Nick. It sounds like it eliminates the big miss or the really like embarrassing miss around the greens and it'll at least give you a shot at saving par when you're around the green in two that's exactly that's exactly right like yesterday i'll give you i'll give you an example of a time i used it yesterday i missed a green by about five ten yards but my ball was like next to a tree root so there was like really hard grass and then like three inches in from my ball a tree root and i'm like okay this is, this is the exact kind of shot where you play tentatively. And so this, like if, with a real wedge, with, with a real club that's not garbage, with a real wedge, that's a shot that I would play. I'm a 20 handicapper at best, and I would play that shot tentatively. Like, am I going to skull it? Am I going to chunk it? I just don't feel confident that I'm going to make a solid strike on that five times out of five. And 
So I just grabbed the square strike, didn't really think twice, put essentially a putting stroke on it, got it to the center of the green, had about a 10 foot putt, missed it by an inch. But I had a much better chance of making par than I pro that I may have. Maybe there's a chance I would have hit a good shot with with my wedge, but there's also a chance I would have scolded 30 yards off the green. And this basically, like you said, it helps you avoid the big miss. But at the same time, I would never want to rely on this club. Like I would hope this would be something that you you phase out of your game. Sure. Or it sounds like this would be great for seniors as well. Yeah. And if you watch the videos, if you go to like their, their website and you watch the videos, that's exactly who like they show, they show a guy like chunking shots and they're like four retired dudes, (laughs) four retired nudes and you know, high, high handicappers. It sounds like this is probably a good one. And look, I'm, I'm going to defend you, Nick. If you if if you bring this thing out to the Palouse and we have a good showing in the Corner Club Open, I'm I'm not going to say a word. However, however you got to get it done, my man. I'm just glad that you found out that this is a legal club because I would hate for us to do well in this tournament and for someone to like on the, you know, 35th hole look in your bag, pull that thing out and say, "What the hell is this? Square strike?" <laughs> That'll probably happen anyways. I'm sure I don't know if I'll, if I'll use it or not. I mean, I probably will, like I said, just because I don't need some of the other clubs that I play. But right. uh, at Palouse Ridge, like last year, for example, there was times I was I was hitting a lot of like bump and rums with, yeah. uh, with a hybrid off the green. And this is just a better solution than that. Sure, that's fair. Um, do you have anything else on, on the Square Strike product review? I'm sorry to laugh. Um, it's just such a funny name. No, it is. And it's it's super gimmicky. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say it's not. I mean it is. And it's like you see these commercials on the golf channel all the time and it's like come on. But you know, that's that's why we're doing these reviews. That's why that's why we're doing this. That's right. And hopefully uh we're 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 looking at what the next product we're gonna review is. If you have any ideas, please suggest them. I think we're gonna try that that KT tape that you see all the LPGA golfers and seniors using. Is it actually a thing that helps or is it just Psychosomatic. I mean, look, if if it helps your game, I guess it helps your game, whether it's placebo or real, right? Yeah. Okay. Why don't we take a break? We'll come back with uh, a would you rather and some uh, some speed golf and more fun. Joe Vice Golf is a proud sponsor of a golf tournament that my organization is hosting tomorrow, the uh, Elms College Green and Gold Blazer Classic. Uh, Vice Golf donated well help donate 36 boxes of balls and i can't wait for all of our participants to use them and rave um as we all know vice golf just got another gold medal from golf digest and our loyal listeners know that they can get free shipping on all orders in the united states on vicegolf.com with the promo code turn t-u-r-n All right, Nick, so we've done a little discussion on world number ones, and it got me thinking, how how important is being world number one? And then I thought, we haven't done a would you rather in a while. So here is the premise, and then I'll let you answer it first. Would you rather be world number one for, let's say, 15 weeks, just 15 weeks, not a long time, not a short time, 15 weeks, or would you rather win two PGA championships, two-time major winner, or world number one, which would you prefer? This is tough. And um, I think I would have to go with the two PGAs. Wow, really? I know, it's tough. But if you're saying 
that you got to world number one without winning a major and you're only there for 15 weeks. Eh, two-time major champion. That's pretty cool. It's definitely pretty cool. Um, you could... You can make an argument that there have been fewer world number ones than there have been PGA champions, so it's more rare, but that's sort of misleading because the world number one only existed starting in 1986. Uh, but I think it is a pretty fair metric from, say, the mid-90s until now of the best players of that era. Phil Mickelson has spent zero weeks as number one player in the world, which has always been very interesting to me. Now, that's a little unfair because Phil's peak was also at Tiger's Peak. But Vijay Singh, uh, David Duvall, they were both able to ascend to number one during Tiger's Peak. So, you know, is it is it a fair metric? Is it not? Bottom line is the PGA Championship is a regular tour event, and they call it a major. I mean, that's just that's just the bottom line. <laughs> Maybe it'll change. They're, they're, they're moving it from August until May. Um, and, and next year is at uh, a really badass venue, Bethpage Black, where they've had a lot of success with the U.S. Opens there, where Tiger Woods has won before. Uh, and I think it's going to bring a lot of excitement and publicity to the PGA Championship that hasn't existed before, and because it's going to not be the last major of the season, right? It's going to be the Masters in April, it's going to be the PGA in May, U.S. Open in June, and the British Open in July. So we think that's going to help it a lot. But to this point, the PGA Championship is just the forgotten major. It's the major won by the likes of Jimmy Walker, um, Davis Love the third, you know, really good players, but eh, does it matter as much as a U.S. Open or a Masters? It sure doesn't. Give me number one in the world, Nick. I mean, I it, both are good, and I think a lot of guys on tour would, I don't know, they would say the same thing on record, but they would probably say the same thing because uh, I know that number one spot is really important to a lot of guys. And um, you hear a lot of people talk about how important, like, how it's a major goal of theirs. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if there's some there's some guys on tour who would agree with you. But um, if you were to say you, you, got, you got number one without any majors, I think you'd want to have some majors. Two majors, that's pretty cool. It is pretty cool, but that's eight good days of golf. To be number one in the world, you have to probably have 18 months of good golf. So I just think it is That's more true. of a, I just think it's more of an accomplishment, but yeah, again, it's an interesting discussion to be had because winning two majors is something not a lot of people have done. Neither is world number 1, but the PGA, I mean, you would concede that the PGA has the least amount attached to it of all the majors, right? By a mile, yeah. Yeah. But here's the other here's the other part of that. Okay, so you, you walk into a party, Joe, and uh, <laughs> you and I both walk into a party. Sure. And you say, hey, I was number one in the world. And everyone says, well, yeah, well, what are you now? And then I say, I'm a two-time major champion. People say, wow, that's awesome. <laughs> no way. Okay. Yes. Okay. Here you go. We both walk into that party. First of all, I hope people are announcing our presence so we don't have to brag about ourselves. But if someone says, here's Joe Simons, who at one time was the number one golfer in the world. Here's Nick Heidelberger, winner of two PGA championships. You think more people are going to be interested in talking to you than talking to me? Yes, I do. Oh, my goodness. I just can't agree with that, Nick. World number one, you were the best at what you did at some point. You weren't the best. Yeah. You were the He's best for two weeks. also advertising the fact that you're no longer in your prime. Oh, I see. Because you're saying it is a, it is obvious that it is a past accomplishment. So I'm not currently the number one golfer in the world. Exactly. I was at some point. You were at, you were at one point. Mm. That's an interesting perspective. And I, I think about this. Um, 
there's a, a kid from my hometown who was the number one amateur golfer in the world for like a year or two. And he never made it. Maybe he's, I know for a fact he's still trying, but to this day, I mean, this was four or five years ago, to this day, he hasn't made it on the PGA Tour. And he's been struggling to try to even get on the, um, the Nationwide or the web.com tour. And so I just think like, man, how, how far has he fallen? Even though it's such, a, such an unfair statement to make, sure. I think it, it's kind of comparable. That's interesting. Um, I think it's pretty cool to be the number one amateur at some point. Oh, like, hundred oh, percent. Your point. No, your, no question. Your your point is understood. You're not you're not trying to slam him or anything. What you're saying is it is a it is it is a former accomplishment, and it is obviously a former accomplishment as opposed to being a tournament champion. It is. Let's see. If someone is a Masters champion, that is something that's going to be instantly recognized as opposed to world number one. You're always going to be the ma- like the champ- the Masters champion. Sure. There's no there's no shame if you don't defend your championship in the Masters. Right. Whereas if you lose the the world number one ranking, like not that anyone sees it that way, but like it can be looked at like you did something wrong, like you lost it, you fell off. Sure. You know what I mean? No, absolutely. It is a it is a continuous title that you have to hang on to. Whereas winning a tournament, exactly. it only comes up once a year. Speaking mm-hmm. of things that come up once a year, Nick. <laughs> I love your segues, Joe. You're so on point. <laughs> we both have entered the lottery. It's the lottery that matters the most. I, I haven't done it. I got to be what? honest. I haven't gotten it. What do you mean, yet. Nick? You have like 10 days to do it. I swear to God, if we get to June 2nd and I text you and you have not submitted your master's application, I'm going to lose it, man. It takes literally it. 45 seconds. I'll do it. I'll tell you what. Can you? I I know you have a weird microphone setup. Is it possible for you to do it while while I explain this? No, because the mic is is super sensitive. You're gonna okay. hear every keystroke. Okay. Okay. That's fine. So, um, if you heard me drinking a so bay that clearly there's no way I can register master so ticket. Bay. <laughs> so the masters they have a lottery that goes on in the month of May. You're able to go on to masters I think org and you can fill out a ticket application and. I'm going to recommend the way I went about it. They give you for basically Monday through Sunday, right? You get practice rounds or you get the real event. You can submit a request for up to four tickets for the practice rounds and two tickets for the actual tournament rounds. I submitted the max for every single day because, A, I don't really care what day I go to Augusta. I'd love to give me a Monday. That sounds fantastic. I'm going to be able to walk the grounds it's not going to be like the high-stress situation. Obviously, going to Masters Sunday would be incredible in a different way. But I don't care what day of the week I go. So basically, I put my name in the hat as many times as they allow. And then middle of June, they send you an email and they let you know, hey, welcome, dude. You're coming to Augusta. Or, you know, better luck. We'll see you in 2020. So I just don't see why everyone wouldn't do this if you're a fan of golf. You can't just – it's not like the U.S. Open. You can't just – Buy tickets and say, "Oh, great! I'm going to go to Pebble Beach, which is killer." But Augusta's different, man. You gotta, you gotta try to get the tickets when you can. That, that's all. That's it. That's, that's all. all. <laughs> I'll do it. I'll do it. Do it. I'll show you my confirmation. I'll tweet it. Okay, good. Tweet it as soon as you as, as soon as you do it. We're going to wrap right up away. the show today with speed golf. And Nick, I don't know anything about this, so uh, take it. It's just more of a teaser. Um, this this course I played that I was just talking about where nobody plays in the rain. Um, I'm, a, I'm a weekday member there as of this week. And um, they told me that the mornings is completely dead. There's nobody out there. 
I guess also anytime it rains. Um, and so it sounded to me like the perfect opportunity for speed golf. I, I picked up a speed golf bag about six months ago and I've never done anything with it. <laughs> and um, I'm ready to play some speed golf. So, so on a near future episode of at the turn, we'll be talking about some speed golf. Wait a minute. You buried the lead there. No, no, that that's a little bit misleading. When I say I picked up a speed golf bag, what I mean is um, <laughs> they're from like the used golf flip shop. I bought I bought a little canvas Sunday. Oh, okay, okay. But that, I mean that that generally speaking is what a speed golf bag is—the lightest thing possible where you can carry like six clubs, right? Well, they do actually make an official speed golf bag, which is like 120 bucks. So I don't want people to be like, "Oh, this guy blew 120 bucks on a speed golf bag." I did not do that. I, I think I was like. When I was moving from Hawaii, I traded in some clubs and they were like, we'll give you, you know, like $10 credit for these like 15 year old wedges that are all shot. Right. And uh, I got this bag for it. So now wait a minute. So how do you view this working now? Your wife is like a big time legit athlete. Is she going to go out there and like coach you and train you and like keep time or are you out there by yourself? Oh, I'm by myself. Okay. Uh, I'm going to bring a stopwatch. The Mm -hmm. only, um, question i have is like what's my best way to keep score because it's not going to be like you know every three holes i'm adding one over par for a bogey you know it's, it's going to be if you're running in a race essentially uh you know i have, <laughs> I have to figure out how to keep score so don't you have one of the uh the wristwatch garmin dealies that keeps your score i do i do but i don't know if um it's all about time too much is going to be going on you're, you're afraid of wasting precious seconds yeah I, i'm I'm not sure how much time that's going to take. Do you have? We'll see. Do you, I'll, I'll play around with it. Okay. Do you have? Do you have some sort of like stroke slash time goal going in, or is this totally like I have no idea what the hell's going to happen? Let's just see, and then I'll use that by which all of the speed golf rounds are judged. Yeah, I think um, about 45 minutes for nine holes it's just nine hole i'm not doing 18 so don't even get me started um <laughs> i'm thinking about 45 minutes for nine holes um so we'll see we'll see so okay it's a very hilly course i will say so it's gonna be tough have you done any math to be like okay it's this many yards that translates into this many miles uh, i always assume walking 18 is around five miles so i'm guessing it's somewhere around two and a half miles okay but i didn't look at the scorecard i didn't like i didn't do the the calculations yeah well i hope you get this done before the next episode of at the turn because i would love to hear a full report yeah i'm pretty confident i'm pretty confident we'll make that happen joe okay let's just let's just keep also big guy the eyes of the prize we have our biggest tournament of the year coming up in a month so it sounds like you're going to be fit for it though a lot of a lot of running is going to be happening (laughs) yeah this might be a one-time deal i don't know if i'm gonna get in like uh, great shape from from nine holes of speed golf one time (laughs) but we'll see (laughs) Well, I want to thank everyone out there for listening to another episode of At The Turn. Thanks again to our sponsor, Vice Golf. Go to vicegolf.com. Use that promo code TURN, T-U-R-N. Free shipping anywhere in the United States. Again, they have a really cool partnership. It just started with the NBA. You can get sweet NBA logo on your golf balls. People ask you, hey, are you playing the Vice Ball? And, of course, everyone's playing vice in your group. You can say, yeah, yeah, I got the one with the Trailblazers pinwheel on it, baby. That's mine in the fairway. Don't you touch it. Nick, do you have anything else to add? Nope. All right, everybody. We'll see you next time.